The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. And that was Wah 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 from Weebo Max Top 50 this week on KSWSE. Up next, the Dark Times Podcast. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. We are in here at the Dark Times Podcast. Well, as I'm always, with Sam and Steven. I was about to say it. Yeah, well, so. I beat you to the fucking punch, bud. <laughs> That's why you're the producer. <laughs> because I get there. I get results, damn it. Sam, we don't have any emails. So I think we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, as always, please reach out to us at darktimeswissy at gmail.com. If you have anything else to contribute to the show, anything at all, yeah. please. Or any grievances you want to air with see, us. Tell us everything that's on your mind. Steven, let's talk about intrigue. Yeah, um, we, we have some intriguing things to intrigue upon in this. In this on it's this, a galaxy worth yeah, of intrigue. A whole galaxy of intrigue, even. Uh <laughs> We got a request, a royal request to go over uh, an alternative form of campaign, the the campaign of intrigue, um, kind of like the 007 mystery conspiracy type shit. You know, not every campaign you play needs to be focused on taking on the bad guys. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as much as we love tossing thermal detonators at stormtroopers, there's definitely a lot of room in Saga Edition for kind of a slower, more intriguing, more political campaign. Um, I know this is something that really entices me and, and other players I know. So, so let's get into it. Uh, I wrote some stuff down. We're talking about intrigue. Yeah. We talked about stuff like the Bothan Spinet. Yeah. And being a part of that and seeing how that plays into the bigger plot. Um, I wrote down, let me just read this out what I wrote. Creating intrigue by giving NPCs in-depth wants and motivations and connecting NPCs in ways that would seem surprising to PCs. Yeah. And we can expand on that down the line. I have a, we have a lot of specific notes here. But the, I think the key thing here is is that, you know, you, you really don't want to focus on a rigid plot line. Yeah. You don't want an A, B, and C. Your effort as preparing for the, you know, the, the story craft, game mastering, and doing an intrigue campaign, get like two or three or four characters. Yeah. Nail down their personalities and motivations. And their backgrounds. And, and their background. And how they connect in your story. Absolutely. They should all be connected. I want to disagree with what you said. The, oh. You can have A, B, and C plot lines, okay, yeah, but I, you want the connections to those to be sort of net. The players find those connections. Yeah, those are it, uncovered. Those are the secrets that are uncovered in the Galaxy of Intrigue. Let's say you've got the Ithorian mechanic who committed some sort of legal fraud or something like that. Faked his, turns out he faked his death, yeah. but in the process of, of searching through his garage, you find the the locket that belongs to the Rodian uh, slicer and how he killed his ex-wife or something like that. Exactly. And, and the players should be like the friend of that ex-wife, yeah. like a former co-worker of that Rodian. You it's know. always a good, we're going to go more into hooks later, but it's yeah. always a good hook is making it personal to the players. I think I did something in the past where I made your, your character Dav. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah, his parents have been kidnapped by the white worms, so you gotta go deal with that now. On, yeah, on and Cor I didn't write any of that <laughs> in my Corellia. backstory. I think, I think I just mentioned, no, Dav's parents, you know, they're kind of just off to the side. And, yeah. you know, you as the Game Master stepped in and were like, no, they're kidnapped by the white worms, go find because out Because you haven't checked in in so long. Exactly. That's the kind of things that you can spring out of characters' backstories to really bring it, you know, 
front and center to an intriguing and, campaign. And an intrigue campaign isn't that different. No, it's not. It's just doing that on a more condensed, on like a denser scale. Absolutely. Um, something else you wrote down here that I, I really liked, you know, your, your heroes witness something or know something. How does that endanger them? Like the, the secrets are the key to the storytelling here. What do these secrets mean? What are the stakes? Why is something secret? Whether it's Death Star plans, a secret formula for a proprietary uh, fuel for Incom Corp. Um, these are secrets that are defended violently for a reason. Maybe players witness the local moth just destroying like gallons of, of uh, medicine that, that yeah. is needed for a planet. A plot hook I thought of is a great dark times plot hook. Um, what if a party witnesses an inquisitor killing a Jedi? There you go. You are a witness. Yeah. And maybe the Jedi reaches out to one of the players at the last minute and that player is force sensitive maybe. or or maybe they were force sensitive and they didn't know it. And that draws their attention to the Inquisitor. Chucks them a holocron in the last ditch effort as he's dying. The Inquisitor's like, hey, did the Jedi give you a holocron by any chance? Great place to start the campaign, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that'd also be a good player background also. It doesn't oh. have to be necessarily something the DM puts into play. That could be something, a part of your character's backstory as well. And we're going to get more into like intrigue adventurers versus intrigue campaigns. Yeah, yeah. What 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 qualities make a intrigue hero versus a, any other type of campaign hero? You mentioned, this is a very good point that we didn't talk about last time, but you mentioned in the notes uh, you should always do a, step, a session zero yeah. if you're trying to do a non-traditional sort of Seriously. campaign or adventure. Yeah, or we always like say that. do a session zero, but any sort of like tight theming, like an intrigue, like secret campaign like this, you want to be up front. Make sure your players know they're not going to be stealing AT-ATs and, yeah, and like, like walks or whatever. I probably, a soldier has a place in an intrigue campaign, full stop, of course, but like I'm probably not going to bring out, if I'm a player, my beat face, high attack, high damage soldier for an intrigue campaign. I might be aiming for a scoundrel or a noble. Totally. And I would like to know that before I build a whole character. I think, I think you totally could still bring that soldier character in, but Easily. I don't think you want every player to bring that no, soldier character exactly. in. Exactly. And I mean, think about, you know, we play, we have our Starfighter campaign. Mm -hmm. I was super upfront, very upfront yeah. about what kind of characters I was looking for. Your character, Atorn, wouldn't work terribly well in an intrigue campaign. I mean, he knows his way around speechcraft and mm -hmm. he's a very learned individual, but like he's not uncovering state secrets. No, that's not his style. No. So I, I, I cracked into the galaxy of intrigue book. Uh, well worth getting yeah, that, your hands you got yourself on a cup of calf. Yeah. Sat by the, the cyber fire. Yeah. And really just cracked open that galaxy of intrigue book. I read a, a couple chapters in it over the course of the last few days. And, uh, I, I really found it worth my time and, and something I love about saga edition and, and its supplements, this game really teaches you how to tell a story. It really teaches you how to game master every system out there does to a degree, but this one is, I think especially good. And it's, it's been said a million times about just allowing you to explore different avenues of storytelling, you know, really understand what elements make a good Star Wars story and what options you have. And and the the big three things, big three main elements of an intrigue campaign are the following. We'll expand on each of these individually. Nothing is as what it seems. Politics is personal. And tension between light and dark are kind of your three intrigue pillars. Um, for, as far as nothing for, as what it seems, heroes peel back the veneer to reveal hidden secrets. These are 
the markers of progress in your story? Like, let's say the planet has been prosperous and at peace for a long time, mm-hmm. but there's still something about the local the local leader who has some sort of gritty past or something. Like, what did he do to achieve that peace? Absolutely. Is he sequestering away resources to pay off pirates who threaten the system and threaten the planet's peace? Is he, I don't know, uh, pollution is always a great way to go. You know, Absolutely, is, yeah. is, is the, the planet's ice kelp melting and he, it's not being reported on? Is the planet core filled with these sentient beings that he's enslaved and used to mine out the planet for its resources for this colony that he started. That brings me to my next point is that in nothing is what it seems altruistic individuals can become misguided. And occasionally the actions of what may have started as the apparent enemy actually hold a noble purpose. Oh, I like that. I I, I like that. That is another thing about intrigue campaigns is that twists, twists like that. Maybe it turns out the Sith acolyte, not only are they here, maybe they came here at first to find a holocron, yeah. but now they've, after witnessing this injustice at the hands of this noble person, they are doing all they can to stop that. Seriously. And their methods may be unorthodox, but they seem to be getting results. I think of, you haven't seen Rebels, have you? I've seen Rebels. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Agent Callus oh, is absolutely. a great Imperial turncoat. You know, he starts as a pretty bland character, honestly, but um, his betrayal of the Empire and what leads him to that point, he establishes a very empathetic relationship with Zeb. Yeah, you know, as a, the guy who a, almost a extincted of, yeah, his entire race. A member of the species who was present at the genocide <laughs> of, of Zeb's entire race. You know, that that's that's intriguing. That's a twist. And that's I think we talked about this in the past, but that's what makes a really good interesting, uh, like not necessarily a big, bad uh, evildoer, yeah. but some sort of lackey or mid boss kind of character. Seriously. Give them an exotic weapon. That and a story of how they acquired that weapon. Yeah, and Agent Callus is a really good uh, ISB, another ISB character. Another so ISB that's, character. He would fit great in an intrigue campaign. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my second pillar here of intrigue is politics is personal, uh, especially these days when someone throws around the word politics. Very specific things come to mind. You know, you might think of like the presidential election. You might think of like the Senate. You know, politics is you know as defined is not limited to government realms. You know, tribal councils are very political. Boards of directors for a galaxy-spanning corporation are very political. Command centers, even a board just an Imperial Star Destroyer, very political, brought atmospheres with many different people vying for power over limited resources. Maybe uh, one of the players' best friends is has pulled some sort of... They're a member of the noble family, but they played themselves off as a handmaiden to that player character. So when it turns out that they're up next for the throne... But it, uh, but being subverted by other members of the noble family, that's politics. And it's also got that personal. That's how Padme lived much of her there early political career. She was disguised as a handmaiden for her own throne. And as we saw in the prequels at several points, that created some very interesting moments. The big reveal when she bowed to Boss Nass, that was pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I agree. I think we've talked about it. Having that sort of senator, noble character in a campaign can be very much like the, the beginnings of an intrigue adventure. Yeah. Not necessarily a whole campaign, but since that character has ties to these political backgrounds and situations, then it, it can open it up for intrigue. Every player in the party should have some sort of political tie. I'd say whether they are literally a Senator or perhaps they have a relationship with a Senator. Or it could be they're uh, an alien, spe- a non-human species that grew up on a planet that had increasingly uh, anti non-human uh the laws put into place. Precisely. You know, under the empire, that's, you know, nearly ubiquitous. Exactly. 
And then the third pillar of, of the intrigue campaign is the tension between light and dark. And the book emphasizes this is specifically about the force. And, you know, in an intrigue campaign, you may not think a force user at the forefront of, of storytelling. You might think this is a time to bust out kind of a almost rogue one style narrative where the force takes kind of a backseat to all the events. But there's plenty of examples that, that point to maybe a force user at the forefront of your entry campaign is a great idea. I can see this as like an old Republic setting. Totally. Not only are the Sith, this dark side of the force using people, but they're also an, an empire. Yeah. So that's whole tensions between those two major powers in the galaxy. And they both happen to have, Force users at their forefront. And so it's plenty of room for an intrigue campaign. And we know for, for you know, a hundred generations or whatever it was, tens of thousands of years, the Jedi were ostensibly sworn to maintain peace and harmony. But time and time again, we see their principles are subverted when they're brought into conflict by political forces. There's an episode of the Clone Wars where Obi-Wan fakes his death yes. and goes undercover as a bounty hunter. Excellent. And Anakin Excellent. tracks down the bounty or Obi-Wan or he tracks down one of them yeah. and tries to find out how he killed Obi-Wan and what happened. Mm-hmm. And so that can kind of be, that's a little bit of an intrigue adventure in itself. It is. And God, you really feel for Anakin in that arc because he's just being torn apart by Obi-Wan's death. He's, oh, absolutely. You know, and, he's fucking crazy and over it. Because it ties into the council, not really trusting him. Not at all. Because of his emotions and his ties. Now help me remember this. Someone gets kicked in the nuts during that arc. Yes. I is it Obi-Wan so. kicking Anakin o- in the nuts? No, it's... Or Anakin kicks Obi-Wan in the nuts. I think Anakin kicks Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan's pretending to be the drunk bounty hunter. Yes, yes. I think Anakin kicks Obi-Wan in the nuts while he's disguised as a bounty hunter. And then I think that leads into... He gets put in jail with Cad Bane and they break out. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. A, that brings in the box. The box is one of my favorite... Like That's like a skill challenge in its own. If you ever wanted to do like a... A bringing bounty hunters together for a party skill challenge, like that's what you have. Yeah. You would do Folks, if you have, if you haven't seen the episode, we're talking about uh, Obi Wan and Cad Bane as well as uh, like an all star cast. I think bounty Bosk hunters. is there. Yeah, Bosk yeah. might be in there. Um, there's like this. This is actually a perfect topic for for what we're talking about. A very wealthy, I think, somewhat shady benefactor that I think turns out to be Count Dooku. Yeah, maybe. Um, it is Dooku. Yeah, d- uh, gathers a bunch of bounty hunters together to just. Test them to see who would be the best bounty hunter for a big job he's got planned. It was assassinating um, the chancellor. That's right. Like that. There's your your kickoff right there. The That's part- an intrigue campaign in its no, own. Yeah. Seriously, like <laughs> gathering all these random ass bounty hunters to have like a Hunger Games style obstacle course to figure just to, for the honor of attempting a, an assassination on the chancellor. Like holy shit, that sounds fun as hell. I don't care if it's lifted from a Clone Wars episode. I would run that. In Absolutely. A yeah. Um. You ever seen that comic where it's the like the stick man and he's like, I made this thing and the other stick man takes it. And he's oh, like, yeah. this is my thing now. Yeah, that's you as a game master all the time. I mean, 100 percent. I mean, what is all this lovely Star Wars media for? If not just lifting stuff and from? drawing inspiration, re- reskinning anything like that. Exactly. Uh, back to the Sith. Um, no, you need not even wonder how the Sith could be political. I mean, they are proficient manipulators. They're habitually duplicitous. Ooh, I would love an intrigue adventure where you're all in the Sith empire and maybe you're all Sith, mm-hmm. but just the subterfuge and like conflict between the, the major Sith parties like at play, trying to see who's going to be the top Sith and stuff yeah, like perhaps that. There's a ruling council with different, I don't know, specializations and, and tensions and motivations. Even, I mean, the Sith are evil, but yeah. there's a lot of room for exactly what actions to take to be evil. Maybe there's Sith who want to, expand the Sith Empire's knowledge of the Force and 
stay away from from uh, open conflict with the Jedi. Go into hiding, learn, train. Versus the Sith who want to just eradicate all Jedi exactly. in the Republic and everything. Uh, the best remembered Sith Lords were the patient puppeteers of their surroundings. Our buddy Sheev. Yeah. Chief Palpatine. <laughs> Our close personal friend, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> Count Dooku, absolutely, Dooku. as well. Both of them enjoyed immense success, especially compared to some of the lesser Sith Lords before them, because they were patient. They knew the time when to strike. Chief had to build up the political enterprise of an entire galaxy before he could enact his plans. And you know what? Darth Maul also fits into that. Like he sort of learns that. That's true. Darth Maul's failure. Yeah, he, he fails, ultimately, at his mission as a Sith assassin, but through his god i don't know rebirth like yeah technically yeah uh, he he learns that a successful sith is a patient manipulator he builds an entire criminal empire kind of just for fun called the crimson called crimson Crimson dawn Dawn. and also when you think about it it's pretty obvious in retrospect it's like oh it was count oh it was darth maul the The red guy was behind crimson dawn Um, and this is something that isn't touched on in the book, as far as I could tell, but it's worth considering how do other Force traditions factor into a political intrigue-filled atmosphere? The Witches of Dathomir. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Very political. Asajj Ventress's entire existence, there's that where she gets abandoned by Dooku, and then she joins up with several members of the Dathomir Witches to, to try and assassinate Dooku, but they're pretending to be Jedi at the same time. Exactly. Is, the the layers of it really builds up the intrigue. And in the motivation is clear. You know, the Jedi are the most obvious to try and assassinate Dooku. Uh, disguising themselves as Jedi completely brushes the blame off of the sisters and protects them from the genocide that does come eventually anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the, the revenge plot is very good to throw into an entry. Revenge is a good motivator. It is for it is. NPCs, for player characters, enemies alike. Hundred percent, and it's a realistic motivator. People do stupid, haughty things in the name of revenge and justice all the time. I mean, look at you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, the the amounts I've the things I've done. I can't stand this podcast for the protection of all those around me in the name of revenge and peace and justice or whatever. So those are kind of our three big elements of an intrigue campaign that the book wants us to to know. Now, now we're on to heroes of intrigue. So a, a thing, this is a, an element I really like in a in a party, and this is emphasized heavily by the intrigue book is common backgrounds. Um, just start with something that unites the heroes. Uh, we all love random strangers meeting by chance and by fate in a cantina bar, but just a little bit the basic amount of threads to tie these heroes together kind of goes a long way in telling a cohesive story i think and that really talk ties into what we talked about with session zeros a few episodes ago of course about having those there you know it's nice when players turn out to already be friends yeah. when the campaign starts or com or coworkers or whatever yeah um i think the example we came up with that i really liked was you got the senator uh her guard and like maybe the clone trooper who's assigned to watch them and her Guggen friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a party right there. It that's is, it is. And there's party. already a history and a dynamic there that's that's easy to role play. Uh, we, I could have gone on about the various points and elements the book was making, but we, it didn't really make for good radio. So what I did do is lift a few of the example party backgrounds here uh, for, for our enjoyment. The, I, I picked my top three. Uh, one of these, I think, Sam, you'll, you'll especially like. The heroes belong to a mercenary contingent hired by an anonymous but high-paying patron to perform a variety of shady paramilitary activities on a war-ravaged planet without getting involved in either side of the conflict. 
So here's a much more combat-focused intrigue campaign, Black Ops Insurgency, inserted by some sort of shadowy interest to enact goals without getting involved in either side of a conflict. Can I tell you what I thought of when I heard this? Go ahead. The Saw Gerrera and the Clone Wars. Precisely. Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and Captain Rex teach Saw Gerrera and his band of uh, rebels, basically, how to take out battle droids and eventually, well, eventually they stop being non-partial yeah but it's that that's the idea it's a weird arc just in terms of its um its realism you oh, know yeah. it's, it's since crazy. the cold war this is how many real conflicts have played out that there's consultants i'm, I'm doing air quotes you can't yeah. see them dear listener. <laughs> there's consultants and advisors that are deployed alongside local militia forces to train and to take out key targets at key points and and it's it's ripe ripe storytelling there Another one. And I, and I like oh, that. Be, I also like that because it it really narrows down the galaxy. Yeah, it you, does. You know, you see in a very intimate way. Absolutely. I like that because it's not like, oh, we have to jump to Tatooine, then back to Naboo. Mm-hmm. You know, let's take a few months off on vacation. No, this is your players are here on this planet. They're not leaving until this adventure is done. I also thought of, you know, a Hypori came to mind, like Clone Wars. Absolutely. Like, um, Hypori is especially nasty war ravaged planet. Maybe the party's inserted by Palpatine or Dooku in disguise, making requests of these third-party mercenaries to do something that maybe it ultimately hurts the Republic. Maybe the party decides they would rather hurt the Confederacy instead. Maybe they are totally fine taking out Republic installations. Who knows? The heroes are spies ordered to go in deep undercover to unearth secrets about a corporation's plans to create superweapons and sell them to the highest bidder. I like that. I like that. I just read uh, Catalyst, the tie-in novel for Rogue One. If you ever want a detailed, technical, like, Looking breakdown of the Death Star. Yeah, like, the logistical <laughs> and technological needs of constructing something like the Death Star, Catalyst does a genuinely fantastic job of exploring and explaining that issue. Um, it is a rock-solid, like, Dark Times book. You get your Order 66 enactment right in the middle really? of the novel. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. From a civilian's perspective, no less. And I like that because then you can, you know, if you think about how many power converters does it take to build the Death Star? Yeah. And what what is going on? Why is there a shortage on this planet of these power converters they need? And because they're being taken by Imperial forces to go manufacture them for something bigger. That is literally what Catalyst is about. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Galen Erso, um, he's tricked the entire novel he believes he is working on um a project to bring cheap energy to developing worlds in the republic when actually he's developing the power source for the death star uh spoiler alert not a spoiler because it's in rogue one it's in rogue one <laughs> and i mean it, part of the book also follows krennic who is the one manipulating galen or so and he says his plans out loud to other characters a few times so mm, okay you don't you there's dramatic irony in that you know galen's being manipulated he doesn't yeah so. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I always but like that. he begins to suspect something's wrong when he checks the logs for his research station and notices that a bunch of very like rare earth metals, things used for weapons almost exclusively, are being ordered and then disappearing. They aren't required for his research. They're being taken from these very ecologically sensitive planets under shady circumstances and then disappearing. And that's when he begins to suspect that something's going on. That's good. That, that'd that be good for an entry campaign as well. Absolutely. Your player is the foreman of a factory 
that's been mysteriously shut out and taken over by the Empire. Mm-hmm. Very Willy Wonka-esque, yeah. now that I say it like that. <laughs> no, no, we can even do Oompa Loompas with Ugnaughts. Like... <laughs> Oh, Star Wars Willy Wonka. Uh, if the great Disney empire encompasses all media, that we will probably get that. Wait, I think Fox owns Wonka. Wonka. Yeah, that's WB. Isn't w- it? Is it? Wonka. Who's doing the, let's just see who's doing the next Wonka film. Uh, I forgot they're doing Timothy Chalamet. As yeah, it's, it's Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as Disney, you know, slurps up Warner Brothers, we can get our Star Wars Willy Wonka God willing, right? Unless you, dear listener, may write that campaign first. In which case, if you run Star Wars Willy Wonka, I want to hear it. <laughs> and the the last uh, common background I, I wrote down here. Um, the here this is a really good one. The heroes are crew members of a luxury yacht that shuttles VIPs to different worlds. They overhear secrets and become unwittingly entangled in the schemes of their passengers. I like that. I Very like that. fun stuff. It. Allows for like a waiter PC, like that's fun. Totally. A snooty waiter, <laughs> gossiping coworkers that ultimately end up in a potentially galaxy-spanning conflict. Uh, another Clone Wars episode. I think it's a Satine um, Clone Wars episode yeah. where she's in transit with the senator, the senator from Ryloth. Yes, on that big cool ship. Yeah, the vertical. And, they, and yeah. he has hired someone to deploy these droids to kill uh, Senator Satine. Yep. Another good uh, example of intrigue. There you're you just go. at your yacht job. You know, you're you're washing <laughs> towels. You're cleaning up uh, discarded champagne glasses. There's an assassination attempt. Where do you fit in all that? Absolutely. I like that. I yeah. like that. The players get the player gets wound up with the this detective they bring in who's another player character. Yeah. These different backgrounds coming together to solve this mystery. Great role play opportunity questioning the employees for what they've seen. Great inner party dialogue there. And it's good because then you'd have someone who's who was on the ship. You'd have someone who's on the inside of that of that story as well. Absolutely. Speaking of finding employees or characters in a intrigue campaign. Yeah. Allies. Yes. They need Player a thread allies. to connect them to this big conspiracy, this big intriguing. How many times are we going to say it on air? <laughs> <laughs> plot line. Uh, the obvious way to go is having ties to local law enforcement. Maybe they're a well-known group that the when the normal kind of uh, what basic law enforcement have a challenge they can't surmount without external investigative help. Well, buddy, they call the A-team. That's the party. Maybe even uh, like the leader of an agricultural guild on a planet. And even though they're not law enforcement, they are the ruling factor of that world because of what they provide for the planet as well. Exactly. And or the heroes can have a representative on the Galactic Republic or the Empire through blood relatives, old family ties, or that time they spent under the representative's tutelage. Maybe, well, you know, if depending on how well you know EU material, maybe one of the party members had a brief romantic stint with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. There you go. <laughs> it's <a> very specific. <laughs> that must happen a lot in EU. <laughs> At least once. <laughs> if it can happen once, Sam. I mean, yeah, if you call those favors in, then that's totally... I do like that, those sort of characters. I played, um... What was her name? Chris, I played a Fosh medic. Yes. Who was... Chrysanthemum. She, Chrysanthemum was her name. And her deal was that she was one of the biggest, like, cybernetic surgeons in the like galaxy. A celebrity surgeon. Celebrity yeah. surgeon, basically. Yeah, yeah she yeah. was like the Oprah of, <laughs> of prosthetics. <laughs> uh, but when... When she meets a character and I asked the DM if I knew that character, she would play it off as they had a thing. Very, uh, what's her name? From 
the, the, the lady in Force Awakens. Oh, Maz? Maz Kanata. Maz yeah. Kanata. Very Maz Kanata, that yeah, sort of character. Yeah. But you didn't finish your sentence there. <laughs> Go ahead and say. <laughs> or she plays it off as having a romantic stint with, yes. with that, that moth or that Jedi Master or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> or the guy who owns the big space station. Indeed. Um, the, these, these allies, like we mentioned earlier, these are, you know, nail down their motivations, their reasons, their backstory. These are the guys you can either subvert later or be at the very center of one of the secrets the party's going to uncover. Uh, location, location, location. It's a big deal. Where you choose to have your intrigue campaign, you might want to consider a smaller scale, be it a single city block on Coruscant or, of course, <laughs> a single can... city block on Coruscant is like thousands of levels deep. Exactly. <laughs> the party has to delve into the underworld to uncover secrets, bringing them to the surface, literally in the Senate chamber. Or maybe a certain sect of hut of a hut gangster, like a hut gangster's uh, section of the galaxy. Precisely. Nar Shaddaa. Yeah. Right. Nar Shaddaa is Absolutely right. Smuggler's Moon, baby. Uh, let's see here. What else do I have? Um, just a couple of examples. The heroes are all employees of the same government, granted special authority to travel freely on its behalf, uh, or the heroes are undercover agents who work from a secret field office complete with a legitimate front. I, I included that one because just, I don't know, like party ran pizza restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That is secretly like a surveillance headquarters. I'm trying to think of something Star Wars that I can relate to that. But the only thing I can think of was there's a Power Rangers series where that's the that's the plot. Really? That's yeah. so funny. So they all work at a pizza place. Wait, that's awesome. Yeah, I really love good. that. Is that like okay, so is that like an American Power Ranger? Yeah, okay. That's cool, an American cool. one, yeah. That's so fucking cool. Do they like I bet they like It was called Jungle Tiger Pizza. And they were all like kung fu masters with like different like uh Predatory at cats as the Fuck, as that's the, cool. Yeah. I bet they had like a secret compartment in the side of the pizza place where like a motorcycle rode out or something. Yes, when they- absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fucking badass. That's great. And and doesn't have to be Star Wars stuff you no, live from. It doesn't. You can live from any sort of media. Like Power um, Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers. <laughs> we talked last week about doing um we were talking about this before the show also, but like for the in the in the idea of a murder mystery campaign mm-hmm. rather than more of an adventure than a campaign of intrigue or anything like that. Yeah. We were talking about just, just lift something, you know, if you enjoyed murder on the Orient Express, lift yep. that. It's classic. There's tons of stuff like that that you can just murder mystery, take it, reskin it, Star Wars. Cause your players might not even know the difference. Speaking personally, I don't really have the confidence and maybe even the storytelling ability to wholesale craft my own murder mystery. Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely be lifting from something else maybe even other star wars murder mysteries and even think about it in the context of star wars where we're not really given the technological nitty-gritty of how things work no um actually you know what i do have a star wars thing to relate to this (laughs) um uh, there's the episode of star wars of of the clone wars where the guy becomes a human bomb and explodes in the jedi temple yeah and that shit was intense and anakin and ahsoka i think have to track down like who fed him the nanites that turned him into a weapon. Yeah. And that's a very good, that's a very good arc also. Get forensic with it. Absolutely. Yeah, just and throw together some weird, you know, make shit up. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dexter, <laughs> you never heard the Kaminoan cloners. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, just throw, <laughs> like, 
you know, if you can do something like that where Obi-Wan finds a dart that happens to be from Kamino, you could write something better than that. <laughs> and there's actually some chunks of equipment we'll get to down the line that actually kind of do explain how this forensic stuff might work in, in a Swissy campaign. Totally. So I'm excited to go through that. Um, one thing I wanted to add, um, blanketing the whole party as all members of the same government or all members of the same secret field office works. It's effective. It's easy. But you can get even more interesting with it by tying these like threads of attachment in ways you wouldn't expect. I think the, the book offered a pretty interesting example in a campaign where the party was supposed to investigate the mysterious death of a senator. Um, the it, it had like the the noble was one of the senator's aides. The scoundrel was an independent contractor. The senator had called up a few times and the soldier was a mercenary hired by the senator's rivals to like <laughs> to like bust up some kneecaps and then showed up and the senator was already dead. That's pretty fucking funny. That is funny. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah they and, get to find out why and something like that. I, I like that. Star Wars is full of relationships like that. Like putting the soldier in an antagonistic role initially is interesting. If you want a quick and easy, I just came up with a quick and easy like go ahead way to bring a party together intrigue campaign. Mm-hmm. They go find the someone's dead. Mm-hmm. All that's in that person's possession is a file folder for each member of the party, all together in one place. We don't know why, but we don't know why these people are are atta- associated to each other. But they are, and maybe they want to find out why. Yeah, something like that. Something that, that's quick and easy, and it, especially if you don't sort of have an overarching campaign idea yet, but you want to play some some Swissy. Totally, like that's a good way to do it. Bingo! Just pick it up right there. Um, another thing to tie the the players together is events. This is kind of what I touched on earlier. Uh, the heroes witness an epic battle between two mighty force users, resulting in the death of one of the combatants. As witnesses to the duel, they might be questioned about the event, or others might try to have them killed to keep the death of the force user hushed up. You know, we talked about the Inquisitor killing a Jedi in, in full view of the party. What about a Jedi party member opening the campaign, surviving an encounter with an Inquisitor, becoming victorious? And then they're all looped in together right then and there. Yeah. We have our witnesses, we have our Jedi. They gotta run. <laughs> yeah, they gotta put the the Jedi has to put the other party members into witness protection. <laughs> and you also put on here it says the heroes are passengers aboard a small freighter bound for the core worlds. Upon waking, they find that the captain had been murdered in his locked cabin. The crew immediately blames the heroes for the crime, but the heroes suspect several NPCs with mutinous motivations. Oh, that's see, that's murder on the Orient Express. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ooh, that's, that, that gives me chills. That sounds, and I think, um, the uh, episode where we had Steven on for an interview, he talked about that was sort of his beginner session that he ran exactly what he did that they did. Like, it turns out one of the, I think it was the the terrorist that invaded the ship was possessed by a a Sith holocron, something like that. And that's always a way to do it. They were transporting, uh, museum artifacts of force background and one of them was a little more dangerous than people should be handling. Absolutely. It was a good way to do things. And then the last thing to tie the party together is, of course, common adversaries. And do keep in mind, dear listener, the adversaries need not be out for the hero's blood. Maybe the adversary is a well-established public figure, an executive of, um, gosh, the Trade Federation, and he can't have murder on his hands. That's not possible. He just wants something the players have. Information. Secret plans, stuff like that. Um, but then, of course, that he same, hires someone else to do his dirty work. That same figure is going <laughs> to use intriguing means to move the party off the map. Like we keep saying, 
the antagonist of the story might not be out for the hero's blood exactly, but he's going to use all of his or her resources to make sure that ends are met. I have a couple more examples from the book here I'd like to read aloud. The hero's home planet has been slowly poisoned by the illegal dumping of toxins by one of the banking clan's numerous subsidiary manufacturing corporations. Corruption and public apathy has kept this information from the rest of the galaxy. So the heroes must find the damning evidence that could bring the polluters to justice. I like that. Very good. Maybe the party goes down to record an act of dumping before being confronted by some sort of mercenary group hired by the banking clan. Fuck. Battle droids are there? Yeah, Come of on. The, hero- uh, the, the oh, heroes could uncover maybe one of the heroes party members, uh, close friends had been taken and presumed dead. Mm. But it turns out they were actually being held by the techno union and you and turned into a cybernetic monster. Uh, very much like Echo and Rex in the Clone Wars. Dude. So good. I'm I'm ready to run that right yeah. now. Like we, we got zero distance later. <laughs> fuck, I'm throwing it all out. The heroes belong to a different. Oh, this is a cool one. This is a cool one. This one made me think of like a really fun team up. The heroes belong to different but allied intelligence organizations, each of which is tasked with undermining a regional office of Imperial intelligence. Tackling such an imposing foe requires them to band together, combining their skills and resources. You've got an Alliance high command spy. You've got a Bothan spy net spy Absolutely. and a, and need nub. <laughs> Why not? There. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or we could talk about maybe uh, rebel intelligence and someone who works deeply with someone who's on the team that helped uh, the Imperial take over Cloud City or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there you go. Someone with an Imperial past yeah. in the campaign about teaming up to take down Imperial intelligence. Perfect. Well, all right, Sam. So that's all I have for like looping in stuff together. We have some adventure hooks. That Steven, I, well, wow. we, we've talked enough about what makes a campaign, an intrigue campaign okay. from the from the player perspective. I want to know what sort of, what would I do to make this? What can I buy or use to make this more of an intrigue campaign? You know, Sam, I got, I got some great stuff. Go for, for it. Okay, Sam, I, I, I dug in the book. There's a whole nice, lovely equipment section for stuff made to answer just that question. Number one, baby, the snare pistol, just like the snare rifle, but it's a snare pistol. You can grab or grapple at short range and use pin and trip, but not any of the other uh, beats that modify grappling. As short range as in like pistol short range. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like 20 squares. Yes, precisely. Insane. Pretty fucking cool. Especially if you need to nab someone without killing them. Hey. For sure. Great for bounty hunters trying to find out who tipped off the Imperials or who's selling Imperial information. A nice addition to your uh, Beskar uh, gadget gauntlet as well. For sure. Oh yeah, like just there. having a, a gauntlet that is all of it. That's Absolutely. so cool. Yeah, I mean, shoot. Oh, and uh, hey, speaking of gauntlets. Oh, would you would you consider um I believe Boba both Boba Fett and the Mandalorian use the sort of like, Yeah, it's like a synth rope like launcher. Rope that launches out and like wraps that? around a, yeah, a character. I think a snare pistol would be perfect for that. I'm, there might be another example that Oh shit, it actually says a snare pistol fires a length of weighted synth rope that wraps around the target. There you go. So that's exactly that's what, what it is. That's what it is. It's great for your Mandalorian build. Seriously. Sure. Uh, not to mention, of course, now that we're talking about gauntlets, the wrist blaster. Come on. It's the wrist blaster. <laughs> Easy to conceal. I mean, it's just what, what about the wrist blaster specifically? Other than the, it's it's ease of access and easy to conceal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it here now. 
A wrist blaster is meant for use in close quarters. Special alloys mask the wrist blaster from sensor scans or weapons. From sensor scans? Detecting a wrist blaster with a sensor scan requires a DC-25 use computer check. That's nothing. That's got to be illegal, right? Is that illegal availability? Oh, yeah. Super illegal. It says it says <laughs> super illegal, right? <laughs> That's the restriction. Super illegal. <laughs> That's a tiny weapon. Cost you 800 credits. 3d4 damage. Perfect for a quick assassination at your next masquerade totally. ball. Yeah. Totally. I think oh, they're a so single shot. Yes. They, they contain a power cell enough for a single shot. Better make it count. Go. I know, right? Yeah. Jesus. And then the another fun one, the Zeril Night Singer. It's a special sniper rifle with exotic gases that require that fires a shot that's invisible to the naked eye. You kidding me? That's cool. They're what? super illegal. Very expensive. And that reminds me of the, the Verpine Shattergun, which I think shoots silent. I think doesn't so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this shoots silently. Yeah, it doesn't say that it shoots silently, just that it produces shots that are invisible to the naked eye. Um, that's, I mean, that's cool, considering the normal shot that is used in the Star Wars universe is a big, big red, red laser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the An interesting piece to pair with this guy is a redirection crystal. Do you know about these? Yes, you can set them up ahead of time and you can like do, uh, shoot behind cover and stuff. It's a little hard to do, and I'll, I'll read here why. Uh, but yeah, you set up your redirection crystals and can essentially shoot around corners, perform very tricky, well... Trick shots. Anyway, I'll read from the book here. Yeah. A redirection crystal is fine sized, giving it a reflex defense of 15 plus penalties for distance. And if you're sniping one can presume you're, you're pretty far away. If an attack with a blaster weapon successfully hits the redirection crystal, make a second attack roll on the intended target with a minus 10 penalty and additional range increment penalties, assuming relative from the redirection crystal. If the, re- the redirection crystal is destroyed, leaving only minuscule fragments requiring a DC 30 perception check to notice and a DC 30 knowledge technology check to identify. So the only part that gives me pause about this is that minus 10 penalty uh, against a target that's your level. That's going to be a pretty hefty penalty, but against some lower level mook, lesser government official. For sure. For sure. We actually see these used in the bad batch and the clone wars by, um, uh, what's his name? The shot guy, the sniper guy. Oh, um, quick shot. That's not it. Quick shot. Oh God. What is his name? Um, crosshair. Crosshair. <laughs> crosshair. How could I forget? He's Does he huge... use redirection crystals. Yeah, he Holy throws shit. them on the wall and bounces shots. That's off. That's right. God, I forget so many scenes with him are just crazy. I think if they probably, if they did a more updated version of the redirection crystal, it'd probably include, uh, paired with certain feats that let you attack multiple targets. Yeah. Like shooting through one target off the redirection t- crystal and hitting another target like uh, deflection deflecting. Uh, hold on. There's a feat that does that in oh, galaxy. Deflecting of shot? Is that it? It's not deflecting sh- grazing shot, grazing shot. There you go. That does exactly what you're talking about. So you, you could you, grazing shot, uh, an, uh, an enemy down one corridor off your redir- redirection crystal to an enemy down the other corridor. For those curious grazing shot, that's prereqs point blank shot. So scoundrels go crazy. Uh, when you successfully make a ranged attack against a single target, you make a second attack roll against an additional target that is in direct line of sight and no further than six squares from the additional target. If the second attack roll succeeds, make a single damage roll, divide the damage equally between the two targets. Now, that would pair well with the redirection crystal because you get out of that six square range now. Yep. So now it's like six, ten in the other direction. Bingo, bongo. Like Pretty fun stuff here. Well, 
some other equipment here. Oh, poisons are worth mentioning. Poisons are a little janky, a little incomplete. There's some like straight up typos in them. Some of them give you incomplete information on how to use them. Uh, what do we always say, Sam? Uh, wing it. <laughs> wing it. Make shit up. <laughs> Anything to make it work. Um, the poisons are great, even if they, I think they were like hastily written, in, maybe, but they, they're awesome. There's uh, swaths of different CLs uh, from like 1 to 16. I think poisons are cool, but I'm pretty sure there's like thing talents and feats you should take to make them better. Yeah. Is what it is. I think there's a whole Malkite poisoner talent tree. Yeah. Sure. I was more thinking of them as a, as a GM tool than a, than a oh, player. Oh, for sure. Tool. Yes, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, players do their best work from the, from the behind the scope of a blaster. Of course. Yeah. And then there's, there's a few other things that are kind of self-explanatory. Maybe we don't need to dig into their use too heavily, but you might be good, happy to know that they're out there. You were talking about like forensics in the Star Wars universe, Sam. There's the surveillance detector, does what it says. Surveillance tagger, that fires a little ping, ping, like a homing beacon. Oh, to really? That's cool. Launch onto a person. Yeah. There's the verticator, which is effectively a um, lie detector. <laughs> I didn't know about that <laughs> yeah, in Star yeah, yeah. Wars. Once activated, the verticator needs a full round to acquire the data from a single target within six squares of the user. The Verticator provides a plus five bonus to perception checks for the purpose of sensing deception, sensing influence, or for gambling against other players in games such as Sabacc. 4,000 credits. That's not bad. No. No information on its availability. <laughs> I, I feel like something like this would be fairly regulated, maybe I'd say restricted, licensed, sure. licensed or restricted, yeah. Um, and a personal favorite, the Vidvox Scrambler. 3,400 credits, weighs half a kilogram. It prevents all audio, video, and holographic recording in the squares adjacent to and the square including the vice. Anyone eavesdropping or reviewing recordings of targets protected by an interference generator must make a DC-30 perception or use computer check to pick up only scattered words and phrases. Wow. DC-30 check, they don't even get to know what you're saying. That is, for yeah, for a DC-30 check, that is yeah. crazy. Uh, Vidvox Scrambler can operate continuously for one week on a single energy cell, or it can be connected to a power generator or other permanent power source. Nice. Yeah. So you can hook that up to your ship, to your ship's comms, and use that. Fucking seriously. The surveillance detector, uh, I, I was a little misled. It actually detects for eavesdropping devices and surveillance taggers. When you use it, you get a plus 10 equipment bonus to perception checks for locating active or passive surveillance devices within six squares of the detector. Wow. Hidden cameras that like stuff like stuff that. Like oh, that. if someone, if the guys were on a wire <laughs> when you met him for the for spice real, pickup, though, you, you, you want to just scan them with the surveillance for sure. detector real That quick. is really cool. There's a few others out there. Uh, definitely dig into those folks on the wiki. If you look at detection and surveillance devices, uh, they're very conveniently all, all put in there for you. They're great, not just as player tools, but as GM tools for that intrigue campaign you're trying to build. 100%. Well, okay, we're reaching the end here. Uh, there's just two big, like, kind of adventure hooks that synthesize everything we've talked about so far. Uh, do I want, I could read one, you can read the other, Sam? Yeah, sure. Cool. I'll read the first. The heroes are part of the entourage of a junior senator, recently and hastily appointed after his predecessor was gunned down on the streets of her home planet. They travel to Coruscant, where the senator must submit legislation to gain assistance against the pirates who have turned the system into a lawless zone. However, the new senator is completely out of his element in the rough and tumble political cyclone of the Senate chambers. The heroes find that they must protect the vulnerable senator, both from the predations of politicians who seek to suborn him and from physical harm as well as a cartel of corrupt officials that are bankrolling the pirates due to their best to prevent the senator from submitting his plea for help. So, Sam, you can see all the elements that we spoke about right there. There's allies, there's enemies, 
There's a location of political intrigue and there's secrets. For sure. And there's enemies that aren't even on the same side. They're multifaceted. You're being attacked from all sides. Exactly. There's another one. Are these from the book, by the way? Yeah, these are from the book. There's another one from the book. Yeah. They have like, they have like six more of these in the book. Then check out Galaxy of Entries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the heroes are employed as personal servants for a noble, well-known and beloved for providing food and medical relief to refugees during the Clone Wars. During a particularly crucial mission, the word spreads over the holonet that she has been using the relief organization as a front to provide intelligence and supplies to the separatists. Yikes. Although she vehemently denies it, the heroes are presented with evidence that makes her claim of innocence suspect. They have seen the good that her efforts have provided, but if the rumors are accurate, the heroes are considered accomplices unless they turn her in or help hide her secrets. And that's just what the book gives you. Yeah. You can even make it so maybe someone else has been using funds under her name to supply the separatists. Absolutely. And I also think of, you know, maybe an alternative story, the whole recording of her actively working with the separatists and supporting them. That's your key secret right there. That's the key evidence that probably the first half of your adventure is going to be centered on. I think with stuff like this for entry campaigns, mm -hmm. if your players are trying to look for something that might not necessarily be there, mm -hmm. it is your sort of as a GM, just ask yourself, why not? Yeah. Maybe if your, your players have the hollow recording and they're like, well, th this could be doctored. Can we find someone who, specializes in analyzing footage and seeing if it's been uh, made up. And then you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. And maybe once they find that character, like I wouldn't give them like, Oh no, it's legit. I would give them, there's something else about this. Another twist. Yeah. Another twist. In or, the plot. And maybe even if you really wanted to, that expert, they consult for doctored hollow recording footage. Maybe he's paid off by the bad guy to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to find out. And it, it, this is, I like the system really has a lot of skills sense influence, sense deception, stuff like that. Gather information. Gather information. They have a lot of uses of skills, which I really enjoy, at least for sort of like intrigue. Yeah. As a player, if I don't know what to do, I can look at the skill actions mm -hmm. and kind of get an idea of what I can use in interrogation setting or anything like that. 100%. Um, that What you just said there reminds me of skill challenges. Obviously a huge part of an intrigue campaign because um, they're not all going to be combat. No, it's obviously. not. No, yeah. most of your encounters should probably not be direct combats in an entry campaign. There should be chases and hunts and investigations, escaping. escaping yeah. yeah, probably no direct out like like warfare combat. Not very much, at least. Um, so skill challenges are great. We've talked about them on the show quite a bit. I was going to talk about them again tonight, but we decided to focus on other stuff that we haven't talked about in such detail before. Um, if you want to know more about skill challenges, reach out. We'd love to tell you. Absolutely. Um, uh, there is an episode we talk a lot about skill challenges. I can't remember which one that is, yeah. but it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, another example in Star Wars that we see that could tie into an intrigue campaign with skill challenges, chasing after Zam Wessel. Yeah. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan do basically skill challenges, a full chase, all that stuff. And it could all be done in system as a skill challenge. 100%. Really cool. Hazards, too. Hazards. Yeah. Uh, finding her loss in a crowd. and. Sadly, Speeder traffic. Sadly, they do fail. This, they, oh no, they they catch her, but then uh, last minute forces out of their control. You know, assassinate their only lead. Another secret. Another secret. Yeah, there we go. Skill challenges. Yep. Attack of the Clones is one big intrigue campaign. It is. It is. <laughs> Star Wars is a political strife-filled story, and and this, these everything we've discussed here proves that. Um, one more thing, just an advice for GMs out there. We've done this, Sam, in Pathfinder quite a bit. If you give your if you inundate your party with evidence and suggestion and secrets 
they may spend a lot of time sitting there bickering, comparing evidence. And that isn't fun. That's not going to be conducive to an exciting and memorable campaign. But it can be also. It can be what the book recommends. And it only recommends doing this once because it kind of loses its luster. Is the sudden, you know, kind of like noir assailant suddenly bust down the door and start shooting up the place. <laughs> yeah. Literally do that if your players are stuck because then it gives who them, was that guy? Yeah, it gives them another piece to progress. They have a do thread it because to it progresses the plot. Exactly. And if but if you really feel like your players I I know for a fact that as a player doing that sort of analysis of information and asking the GM, is there anything I can glean from this by making a roll or anything yeah. like that? And having you, you will have those moments. If you're lucky, yeah. you will have those moments where your players will naturally come to the correct conclusion and it will be a Eureka moments for them. It will. In which case I wouldn't want to ruin it with that sort of bust down the door. Here comes the killer sort of thing. Maybe they, once they go to confront who they believe is the actual assailant, they find that person. dead. Yeah. And then there's more intrigue. We just fucking loaded it with intrigue. Precisely. Yeah. You'll know when to bust out the sudden assailant card on your party. It, it should be clear when things stagnate. You know your players. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast. Stephen and I like to say at that halfway mark of the episode there. Uh, shout out to our new patron, Brady. Hey, Brady. Thank you so much for joining in the Patreon. Uh, if you want to join the Patreon, it's in the description of the episode, as always, under the support the show link. Uh, if you have anything you want to ask us or anything like that, you can email us darktimesswse at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at darktimesswse. We really have more stuff in the pipeline for the Patreon. I know yep. all the future bounties are going to be voted for on there. Yep. Uh, Steven, do you have anything you're working on? Yeah, my explanation guide is almost finished. Uh, it's a revamp of something I, I published quite a long time ago. It's pretty. It has columns and text and color. Um, and so you'll, you'll be seeing that up before the end of the month. I've got some family stuff to attend to this week. But once that's through, I'll be putting it right up there. We're also hoping to do, um, you know, maybe a patron only discord server down the line. Yeah. And I know for a fact, I want to do it, that we're going to do some stickers for yes. the show logo, which yes. I really enjoy. Please tell us what you think about stickers. Stickers. If you want stickers, tell us so we can we can get you some stickers. Absolutely. Or maybe maybe a mug that says make shit up on it. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I like that a lot. I want one of those. Uh, oh, and fuck Wikipedia. Fuck Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. They follow us on Twitter now, so I feel bad. They follow everyone. <laughs> it's really funny. It is really funny. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Let's get into the build. Well, Sam, uh, this build has an interesting story. You went ahead and fleshed it out, but the, the origins of this build, it was, I think, like the day after Christmas. Or something along those lines, Christmas Eve, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it, no, it was Christmas. It was yeah, like 2 a.m. Christmas Eve. It was Eve. 2 a.m. on Christmas Day. Day. So it was the 26th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, the 26th. Yeah. 2 a.m. on the 26th. Uh, I'm not at my, I'm at my parents' house. I'm not at home. Yeah. Stevens. I'm also at my parents' at house. At his parents' yeah. house. And so we're just chilling, we're just chatting. And we were like, I think you brought it up. You brought up the high ground defense. Yeah. Force I saw power. there was a lightsaber form force power called high ground defense. And I was like, no way. Really? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a force power for that. The high ground defense. It's a DC 15. Use the force check mm -hmm. until starting next turn. If you're standing on a low object or in difficult terrain, any creature that moves adjacent to you provokes an attack opportunity from you. So, uh, if they, if someone tries to charge, get close for a melee attack, then they're going to suffer an attack opportunity from you. And you also get a plus one bonus to that attack of opportunity, plus two, plus five, at Depending DC, on your DC 20, 25, and 30. Yeah. Uh, also, what's cool about it is if you have the lightsaber form, Sokan, uh, 
S-O-K-A-N. Yeah, I think it's SOCAN. SOCAN. You deal plus one die of damage on attack as opportunity until the start of your next turn. Now, Steven and I were like, isn't there a scout thing that lets you create difficult terrain? We were wrong. It's a Jedi thing. But it inspired this full build I made. I made a level 20 build. Uh, I named it's a Nagai Jedi Knight melee duelist. We're going to get some haters for making a Nagai. Well, it's this is a proof of concept build. It's not like I... I would play it if I wanted to play in a guy. It's definitely species agnostic. Yeah, pretty much. But in a guy, get the bonus, the dex, and charisma, and the plus two to reflex, which I understand why they are, people are very heated about them. Uh, his name is Strike, and then in parentheses, the Vortex Kai. What a cool guy. It's a cool name. <laughs> um, I gave him a version from the Altar Talent Tree. It's a Force Talent Tree. As a swift action, you can spend a Force Point to radiate an invisible aura that makes other beings want to avoid you. Until the end of the encounter, all squares within two squares of you are considered difficult terrain for your enemies. This is a mind-affecting effect. What it means is that any enemy that approaches for a melee attack, while you have um, the high ground defense force power active, if they don't have reach, they trigger an attack of opportunity from you. Wow. Right? And then I was like, <laughs> okay, so what does attack of opportunity build with sort of uh, difficult terrain mean? Uh, difficult terrain... I thought of, I pulled up the Withdrawal Strike feat. Mm-hmm. Uh, when taking this feat, it's like a single exotic weapon melee or melee weapon group with which are your proficient. When wielding that chosen uh, weapon, in this case lightsabers, adjacent opponents may not withdraw from squares you threaten. They may still make acrobatics checks to tumble as normal. So what that means is they can withdraw. Uh, and if they have, to, if they want to move, they're moving to difficult terrain. Which costs double. Yeah, yeah. And they take an attack of opportunity from you. And with the melee duelist talent advantageous strike, you take advantage of your opponent's haste. You gain a plus five bonus of attack opportunities with weapons you are proficient with. Melee weapons, rather. That guy is sticky. Oh, yeah. So, sticky. <laughs> and also, he um, he also has tactical advantage. When he makes an attack opportunity, uh, he can move a square after doing so. So, oh, no. Oh, it's like, okay, sweet. I got out of the, that first step of difficult terrain. Oh, he's got tactical advantage. Comes up behind me. Now it's six squares of difficult terrain to get out of, to get out of his way. Gosh. And... That's almost impossible for for normal species that can't fly or anything like that. The special ability for uh, high ground defense, too. I don't know if you noticed. You can spend a force point to move one square each time you make an attack of opportunity until the start of your next turn. Yeah. Well, with tactical advantage, uh, when you make an attack of opportunity, you can move one square anyway. Wow. So they can be two squares with the force point. That could stack. That is a full, like, so they move four squares out. You move up four squares. Now there's two more squares of difficult terrain the enemy has to go through to get out of your range. Come and on. I didn't give him a lightsaber pike just because I felt like that would be too much. <laughs> but if you extended this character's reach to the full two squares of difficult terrain also, uh, I know you're shaking your head at me like oh. that's insane. Oh. Yeah, This would be a really cool like boss. Yeah. Inquisitor. Yeah, I'm thinking like an Inquisitor or maybe like some sort of Mandalorian sword master. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. I, it, it, this would be a good way to pull in like non Jedi Force traditions. Yes, into something like this. Yes, you had a combat where we fought against Shapers of Crovar. Yes, which was very interesting because they're like a Force tradition that sort of deals with the elements. Yes, like that. Yes, and so you make these Force builds that aren't necessarily Jedi or Sith, but are still interesting, and then you reflavor some normal Force powers to uh, sort of coincide with that elemental theming, which I really enjoyed. Thank you. Uh, so this guy could be a shaper of crowbar with like a lightsaber or something like that. Yeah. And he creates like difficult terrain, like actually instead of just invisible difficult terrain with an invisible aura, which is kind of sucky to think about. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I, a game master might struggle to let a player do this simply because of <laughs> the aversion talent tree. I mean, is that meant to work with all of that? Like the difficult terrain isn't physical. It's mental. So it is a mind affecting effect. So there are ways around. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. So if something's immune to mind affecting effects, this builds yeah, like a droid. Yeah, absolutely. You're, yeah. you're, you're suffering there. I also gave this build the death charge feat. Which after you charge, you can take a swift action, reactions, and free actions before your turn ends. I like so that. So you charge in with the lightsaber attack, you activate mm-hmm. the aversion talent, and create that sort of aura of difficult terrain around you right up next to the enemies. And it's just, I love it. It's, it's so it's cool. So <laughs> You're going to release this to everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's awesome. going to be Great. in the description as well. Awesome. Sam, it, uh, it looks like it's time to announce the results of our patron voting contest. Who was the droid to beat. Who was the droid that they were looking for? It was not R2 or C-3PO. It was, in fact, P-4-C-K for his outrageous damage and grappling ability. With 67% of the votes, congratulations, P-4-C-K. Runner-up, Weldy, with 33% of the votes. And he's the winner in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I loved Weldy. Um, Congratulations to Suyoshi Ketsu. For winning our patron build yeah, contest. Be uh, be happy that the Empire finds us a democracy because we vote on who the vict- uh, on who the suspect is, not based on any evidence, but just based on who we deem the most dangerous. I love democracy. <laughs> I love the Republic. I am the Senate. Yeah. Uh, that was really fun. I, I definitely had fun doing our first uh, bounty, as yeah. we start calling them from now on. 100%. And Sam, if you check that intelligence report, I think there's another oh, bounty out press, there already. I didn't press the scroll. There's a page two. Go the I next didn't... page button. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's I pressed agree before clicking the next page button, and we've actually t- picked up another bounty by the Imperials. Okay, well, we better get this out quick. Um, Someone's been leaking intelligence. Someone's been leaking intelligence. There's been, in the Outer Rim, intelligence posts, you know how it is. The ISB has detected several data leaks. Viewers, it's up to you to bring this guy to justice. We're looking for level 10. He's got at least one level in Saboteur or Infiltrator. Dealer's choice. If you can fit both in their bonus points. Go right ahead. But it's got to have at least one of those. Level 10. Uh, The builds will be available to the public. Uh, All the builds for the current and future bounties and past bounties are going to be in a Google Drive link I have in the description of the episodes where we talk about the builds. Yep. And uh, patron voting for the winners of the builds. Yes. However, the builds are freely available in the descriptions of, of the episodes where we talk about them. Absolutely. Always. Including the build I went over today. This will be due March 6th. That's a Sunday. That's exactly two weeks from the time of this recording. And then patron voting will be due the following Sunday, March 13th. Uh, any questions, feel free to reach out. If you have any information leading to the arrest of this individual, you'll be handsomely rewarded. Yeah. As you've seen from our last bounty, mm-hmm. it's the f- most fun part about it is coming up with these stories for these characters because mm-hmm. honestly I believe some DM out there is going to use Weldy or Pack I believe to their it. advantage. I and think so. I'm probably going to use <laughs> Weldy or Pack. As we talked about Steve and I have talked about these level 7 to 10 is a really good level for like a party to go up against a, a single enemy yes. or an enemy with like lackeys or something like that. Yes indeed. Well Sam I think that's all we got for this week. Yes I've got a piece of trivia for you Steven. Oh let's hear it. You want to hear it? Yes I do. Yeah you want you want to hear it? Yeah. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Did you know Harrison Ford's line in Empire Strikes Back, I know, is completely improvised. Nice. Director Kirshner did several takes with Ford, improvising several lines. Before lunch, Ford said, one more and that's it. And then uh, he came up with the I know line. George Lucas famously hates it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I so think it's a perfect line. It's absolutely a perfect line. <laughs> so really, it was just 
Harrison Ford was done. They had been filming for hours. He was just sick of it. He was like, all right, before we do lunch, let's just do one more and we'll see what happens. <laughs> and it was the one they chose. It's that's one of those star. That's a Star Wars moment for sure. Guaranteed Star Wars moments. <laughs> a big stamping animation over your heart. So uh, funny. <laughs> Uh, the Dark Times is produced and edited by me, Sam. Stephen is my co-host. You can email us at darktimesswse at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Twitter at darktimesswse. I've got links to the Reddit and the Discord, the Second Edition Discord in the description, as well as the Patreon. Stephen, do you have a quote for us this week? Can't stop change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. Nice. That's, that's a good one. That's Shmi. Shmi? Yeah, that's Shmi. Really? Yeah, that's Shmi. <laughs> that nugget of wisdom came from the Tatooinian slave? <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Did I ever tell you I didn't think Anakin was a, it was like a, what's I'm looking for? An, an immaculate conception? You didn't? At first, I thought it was. It's, it's a pretty big plot point. I know that she, yeah, yeah, but I thought that she said it as in, oh, we didn't have a father. I birthed him, I raised him on my own. As in, like, she doesn't know who the father was. You know, that, that, you could take that line like that. I was like, wow, Anakin's really just a bastard child. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Jesus. <laughs> That's a killer ep. Killer. Yeah, you know what? Chalk that one up to a killer ep. Fucking put it on the wall. Killer app. Right Killer there. app. This episode's going right on the fridge, Stephen. <laughs> I'm going to print out the sound, the waveform and put it on the fridge. Please include that in the. That's going in. The <laughs>